video game the movie the podcast Everybody and welcome to Video Game, the movie, the podcast, the only show where we have to watch Mortal Kombat Annihilation and talk to you about it. I'm one of your hosts, Mackenzie Easton. I'm another of your hosts, Nathan Bertram. And I'm another of your hosts, Lexi Conwell. All right. So as I mentioned up front, today we are talking about Mortal Kombat Annihilation the sequel to the movie Mortal Kombat. No annihilation, I guess, is the implication. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. (laughs) Which starts in the exact same way with flames and someone aggressively shouting Mortal Kombat at you. It actually starts in a worse way because it starts with the Mortal Kombat theme, an objectively cool theme, over the New Line Cinema logo instead of over the cool flaming Mortal Kombat (laughs) logo. So it's just someone screaming Mortal Kombat over a very calm corporate logo. Which is just forbearing of everything about this movie. So uh, I haven't done a lot of research. That's Nathan's job on this. But I do know one thing. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is the worst ranked video game movie on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a stunning, was it 2%? 2%. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. That is incredibly low. You have to go out of your way. To make a movie that bad. <laughs> and it wasn't set up necessarily to do so because we watched Mortal Kombat. It was not the best of the video game movies we've seen so far. It wasn't the worst. It was pretty middle of the road, maybe on the higher end for at least watchability factor. And it made money. Yeah, it did make money. So they weren't in a position where they were making this on scraps and they didn't have the opportunity to make a good movie. This didn't have to be like this. <laughs> Uh, <sighs> all right are we all ready for this nonsense uh ready for nonsense might not be the right word but accepting that nonsense exists and will continue to exist that we're going to talk about uh yeah look from from a like rotten tomato standpoint this is as bad as it gets so uh okay fair honestly i came into this project wanting to find the worst trash possible and I, <laughs> this seems like it might be one of them. <laughs> Who's doing plots and things? Eh. <laughs> Which of us can actually parse the plot? Um, I think the I I I can probably parse the plot. There's not much to it. It's not as complicated as they make it seem in the movie. Yeah, the plot is extremely bare bones. It basically is the Emperor of Outworld, as set up in the first movie, is now entering Earth because he's breaking the rules. And the they only have six days before Earth and Outworld are like merged and all life on Earth is wiped out. They kill off... Johnny, what's his name again? Johnny Cage. They 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 kill off Johnny Cage in the first five minutes. They have all new actors for almost everyone except for Katana and Liu Kang. And then it's basically just we we need to get Raiden thinks that the plot is to get um, Katana and her mother reunited because her mother is alive again somehow. And they spend the most of the movie trying to do that, except it turns out that that's wrong and Liu Kang just has to beat up the Emperor. And that's it. That's very succinct. That's basically it. Now, how it gets there is the fun part. (laughs) Fun is a word that you've chosen to use here. I don't know if it's the right word. basically got a a literal roller coaster in it. Roller coasters are fun, right? (laughs) Okay, that part was kind of cool. The the weird bathysphere things powered by the internal winds of the Earth was kind of cool. Okay, so let's not even start there. Let's start at the very beginning of this movie. Nathan, how does this movie start? This movie starts directly after the end of the first movie. Like immediately. Literally moments. In media res, in the final scene of the last movie. They even have a flashback saying, this <laughs> yes. is what happens. It's, it's previously on Mortal Kombat. That is the part that I was talking about. This yeah. movie starts with a previously on. It describes vaguely the plot of the first movie and sets up the main characters one of which who gets killed immediately and it's absurd it's a crate i've never seen a movie sequel do that in a way that wasn't like someone talking to someone else this was just straight up a clip show at the beginning of a hollywood movie it looks 
like the opening to like, an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> You're right. During yes. one of the arcs where lots of stuff was going on, so they need to remind the audience what happened, which is fitting because this looks like a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, that's the other thing that this does is the previous Leon sets up the plot so you know what's going on and also informs you that the quality of the filmmaking has dropped significantly somehow, even though the first movie wasn't really that well made. Yeah. And you know what's crazy about that? You mentioned earlier that the first movie made money and they didn't have to make this as badly as they did. This movie has $10 million more in its budget than the first one. Where did it go? What? I have no idea. I literally don't know how that's possible. The first one was made for $20 million. This one's made for $30 million. Wow. Okay, that just goes to show you a bigger budget does not necessarily mean a better quality of anything in a film. I mean, my guess is most of it went to doing more heavy CGI effects. All of which was absolutely terrible. They're done so badly. Yeah, that I mean, it doesn't show at all. What what year was this? 1990. This was 97. The first one was in 95. Video game movies took a gap year. <laughs> Just nothing came out. They took a gap year, backpacked around Europe for a while, found UA Bowl, dragged him back to the country, and had him do some stuff afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> We're not on the OA Bowl territory yet. This was directed by, as we mentioned last time, the cinematographer for the first movie. And wow, I don't know who they replaced the cinematographer with or the editor, but man, is it not good. They re- <laughs> well, they replaced the cinematographer with the cinematographer's brother. No. So he directed the movie <laughs> and his brother was the DOP. That makes so much sense. It hurts. <laughs> ah, nepotism. Also, yeah, the editing in this movie is abysmal. Oh, yeah. The editing is probably the worst thing. So, Lexi, at one point in time, you said the fights were better in this, and I would beg to disagree because the fights in this were edited in the most atrociously hard-to-follow manner that I have seen in a non-shaky cam film. When I said that, it was still early in the movie during one of the best fight scenes in the movie. Okay. (laughs) Okay. We were getting text messages throughout the experience because we can't watch these all together, so I'm going to give you leeway and assume most of what you said was nonsense until you personally say it in person on this Skype call. Okay. Okay. So yes, movie starts with a previously on. Then a major continuity error because Sonya is wearing a completely different outfit than when she was wearing in the flashback just a few minutes ago. Anna's a different actress, but it's fine. Everyone else is too. I can accept that the actors are different because that's just meta nonsense. Like, but I can't accept continuity errors. Yeah. That seems like avoidable. Like, it's an ugly dress. You can make it again. <laughs> Uh, and the bad chroma keying starts pretty early in this, eh? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really early. So I made a note that I have done better chroma key work than in this opening fight scene. And that's not an exaggeration. (laughs) And the majority of Nathan's work was done in university. (laughs) I get that the technology was still pretty new when this movie was made, but it's so bad. You can see artifacts around the characters that haven't properly been matted out of the frame. Yeah. When they're fighting against the sky, which is clearly composited into the background. Yeah, it is something to behold. Uh, So what's actually happening in this sequence besides bad visual effects is ninjas are falling from the sky. In fireballs. In fireballs to take over the world. Uh, And then four seemingly important villain characters that all look like they're out of a Power Rangers episode show up. Uh, Skull Mask Man, who is uh, Shao Kahn, the main villain. Uh, Evil Power Ranger Woman, who is... Uh, Katana's mom, who is seemingly very important, but then basically not very important. Not at all. Uh, Shiva, who is the four-armed woman, and she actually looks really good. Like, she's got a good costume. Her, like, arms look way better than the other guy because they're positioned in the correct spot. She spends a total of about two minutes in this movie. Yeah, she's so... They wasted so much effort on her design for something that just didn't matter. And then there's a demon centaur. His tail isn't terrible. He looks fine, but, like, it's very clear a lot of the time that he's positioned straight on from the camera so they only have to animate his front two legs yeah. and his tail. Like, I didn't realize he was a centaur till like the second or third time he was introduced because they only showed him front on. Yeah. So that was a weird surprise later on. And then it's at this point where you see your heroes and you notice that they're all different actors. So we've got not Christopher Lambert, not Sonya, not Johnny. 
Yeah. Most of these actors from the first movie were actually consulted by the production to come back. So Bridget Wilson turned it down because she got an offer to be in I Know What You Did Last Summer. So she did that instead. Also a classically well-known good Uh, movie. I don't know why Christopher Lambert didn't come back. I guess he just didn't want to. (laughs) Uh, He had better things to do. Lyndon Ashby. Some of the actors that didn't give reasons. I couldn't find reasons in my research why they didn't come back. But Lyndon Ashby read the script and then said no just straight out he was just nah which proves to me something i was i was curious about was this movie bad at the scripting level or was it everything else it was terrible at the scripting level it It was was... bad at the scripting level yeah which uh, makes me wonder if an early version of the script didn't have johnny in the rest of the movie doing stuff and then when lyndon ashby didn't want to come back they just cast somebody who was really cheap to get and then killed off the character. Oh, probably. That would be my assumption. That's what I assumed when I saw the actors were different. And then for Jax, they actually approached Michael Jai White. Wow. Uh, But he turned it down because he was doing Spawn. He got the lead in Spawn, so he turned down Mortal Kombat Annihilation, which is, I guess, trading up. (laughs) Would you rather be the lead of a really terrible movie or a secondary character in an absolutely horrifically bad movie? It's like, fuck, Mary kill for your entire career. (laughs) So yeah, they do that. They escape into these underground tunnels underneath the temple that Liu Kang was raised in. Okay, fine, I guess. For some reason, there's an entire underground tunnel system of, like, balls that you can use to fast travel around Earth that nobody is aware of, and Katana has full knowledge of, even though she's not from Earth. Yeah, I kind of, at first, thought it was some kind of universal thing, but no, it's just a, it just doesn't make any sense, and Katana knows everything for some reason. It would make sense if Raiden knew about it, and it was some kind of weird god nonsense, but it's not, and Katana knows about it, and then Katana gets kidnapped, like, five minutes later. So, this is the point in the movie where it splits off into three different subplots that happen in very unclear time frames. Sonya is sent to find her old partner, Liu Kang is sent to the Arizona desert to find a man named Nightwolf, for reasons, and Raiden goes to talk to the Elder Gods about the situation that's going on. Nathan, it looks like you wanted to say something. Here's the thing about this movie that just really gets me is that they hammer on this time limit that the earth will be destroyed in six days when the merger of the worlds is complete and they constantly bring this up but all of the stuff that happens seems to kind of happen in real time ish but they just keep referencing that huge gaps of time have passed nonsensically yeah. too they aren't doing stuff that would take that much time they and they have a magical ball transit system so it's not like they're just w- walking like they walk when they get to an area that they like take a bus stop at like it doesn't make any sense what the time frame is in this film yeah it's it's to the point where uh Sonya and Jax after she's rescued him from a medical facility that's completely abandoned and totally unlocked and fighting a spooky robot she is she's convinced that they're in such a rush that she can't even explain to Jax what is going on she's like we have only two days and he's like for what and he's like I can't tell you there's not enough time (laughs) there is there is enough time it would have taken three minutes this is a movie where nothing happens and everything happens at the same time. So uh, at this point, I have my first note about one of the few things that is very consistent in this movie, and that is backflips. Yes, so many backflips. This movie, I swear, 80% of the choreography is flips. Flips or like twists. It's mostly flips and partially twists throughout the entire movie. I don't know who the fight choreographer was. I don't know what their flip fetish deal is, but there are so many flips in this movie. Dodge flips, unnecessary flips off of thrones, flips just because we can do flips, flips in very bad gravity simulation. It's very weird how many flips there are. There's a fight scene with Raiden near the end where it's just it's just Raiden and two ninjas doing just tricking. They're just tricking. Yeah. <laughs> through ruins, not even hitting each other. They're not close to each other. They're just tricking away from each other for like a minute. And that's the fight. And it's like 10 years after breakdancing was super popular. So that can't be intentional. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much really bad wire work in this movie. Very 
obvious wire work. Oh, yeah. Characters will just leap into the air and hold a position, and they'll just float across a room. And not like fun wushu kung fu movie wire work. No. It's not like hero where they're floating across the yeah. room and you're amazed by the like grace with which they move. It's just nonsense. This is not the Ang Lee levels of kung fu choreography. This is nothing. <laughs> it's Power Rangers. Oh, you're right. It is it is very Power Rangers. This movie is is just a really long Power Rangers episode. And in fact, I think I liked the Power Ranger movie I had growing up more because at least it had ooze. So anyways, the reason I bring up this is because after everybody gets sent on their quests, we go to the villain's kingdom and he does a backflip off his throne to talk to his dad who seems really disapproving of him. And we don't know why his dad isn't the emperor. That's not really a thing yeah. that's addressed. Anyways, uh, so the first cutscene we get back to is... I don't know who's first one. I didn't even say. It's just talking about how they have a predator robot that they're fighting. Who fights the predator robot first? I think Liu Kang. Oh, it's Liu Kang. Yes, okay. So Liu Kang is being sent to the Arizona desert to meet a guy named Nightwolf because he, he isn't ready for the fight up ahead, even though he's super confident that after defeating the evil sorcerer in the last movie, he can do this. And then his girlfriend gets kidnapped by a, like, a robot with dreadlocks. That is the character Smoke, who is introduced in Terrible Mist Effects and has chest missiles and does backflips to avoid chest missiles. Backflip was terrible. That that was one of the wire work things where it's like, we've got really bad CGI with him flipping away on really bad wires to yeah. avoid this explosion. It's And neither of them quite line up correctly. It's just miserable. That set is probably one of the slightly better looking sets in the movie. The cave system looks fine. Um, it looks like a cave. It looks fine. So his girlfriend, Katana, gets kidnapped, and that's her entire role for the rest of this movie, is she is in a cage. Katana, who is a, like, very competent fighter in her own right, and, like, an intelligent character who knows a lot of stuff that's going on, is then in a cage for, like, 60 to 80% of the rest of this movie. Also, they give, instead of, her name is Katana, but instead of giving her, you know, a Katana to fight with, she has twin fans, which, granted, are cool, but her name is Katana. I think that's probably from the games. Oh. I haven't played that much. That's bad it's game weird. Design. Also, her name is Kitana with an I, not Katana with an A. Hmm. Which I guess is the excuse. So all of the effects, I think, all of the effects budget went into the next major effects shot, which is Sub-Zero shows up, which is very confusing because he got murdered in the last movie. Sub-Zero shows up, and then right after that, Scorpion shows up. But they go out of their way to explain that this Sub-Zero is actually the younger brother of the original Sub-Zero from the first movie. Uh, and he's played by the guy who played Reptile in the first movie. Really? Yeah. So that's a thing. But then right after he shows up, Scorpion shows up and they don't at all explain how Scorpion is alive because last time we saw him, he got his head kicked off by Johnny Cage and his body burned to a crisp. Yeah, he wasn't just killed in a in an easy to revive kind of way. He got very killed. He got the most gruesomely killed of anybody in this in, in the first movie. The most gruesome kill in this movie, by the way, is someone who gets like disintegrated yeah, that was kind of gross. That's about as bad as it gets. They he they turn into a skeleton. You know, it's it's bad, but it's not that bad. Uh, Sub Zero meets Liu Kang, explains that he's actually Sub Zero's brother, and then like explains to him that they don't really have beef, and says, "You got your girlfriend kidnapped. You're not ready for this." And builds an ice bridge for them to cross the chasm, which looks about as good as the effects I ever get in this movie. That effect looked pretty good. Yeah, fights Scorpion in by far the best fight in this movie because it actually looks like people are making contact with each other and there's good choreo and it keeps cutting to like a side view like a old video game side scrolly fighty game which is good yeah and then he disappears and never comes back yeah they do the classic devil take where Liu Kang is saying something to him and he turns and then Sub-Zero's gone and that's it he doesn't show up for the rest of the movie that's his entire role why are you here Sub-Zero he's set up as having a beef with the main villain too and that he wants to go his own way with this and not join the team which is like clear setup that eventually he's gonna come back and join the team but he just doesn't show up again he's one of many needless and unmotivated characters in this movie say what you will about the Street Fighter movie 
when they choose to introduce a character who's from the games arbitrarily, they use that character for what they've got. They come back, they're around, they do stuff. They don't just introduce a guy, make it clear that he's important, and then never see him again. And the first Mortal Kombat movie doesn't really do that either. So why? Because I like Sub-Zero too, Electric Boogaloo. He was set up as an interesting kind of character. He had a cool scar, ice magic. You have to remember that this is the same movie that takes down important villains off screen. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> I just feel like going point through point and then hitting tangents is the best way to do this one because I don't know what else to do. Like, we can't analyze this film on a deep philosophical level. It doesn't have... I mean, I think it's trying to have themes and we'll discuss that at the end, but man, this movie... It cannot be like viewed as a whole, just as a like chunklets of parts. Yeah. So again, all of the women have been damseled at least once at this point. So we switch over to Sonya and Sonya's subplot, where she shows up in Hawaii, sees that shit's on fire, and is like, "Well, this seems bad," and then just wanders into a medical facility where she finds the best character in the movie. But we also don't know how she knows that Jax is at this facility or that this facility exists. She doesn't seem to know that he's getting the operation that he's getting and that's never really explained at all. But he's getting cybernetic robot arms over his real arms, which is not actually explained and was very confusing at the end when he tears the exoskeleton off of his arms. Yeah, up to this point, we are led to believe he replaced his arms with robot arms. Which is the, that's well, the thing in the games, is Jax just straight up has robot arms. That, that is what it looks like. Well, okay, I, I want to disagree here, because he does say that they're enhancers, and they take what you have and multiply it by four. And he, you can actually see his fingers kind of, his fingers peek out through like basically fingerless gloves and the, the extra. Okay, but with how bad the costumes are in this movie, is it understandable that I just believed that was a flaw in the costume? That's fair. That's a fair point. Also, that line, the, it takes what you have and enhances it by 10, I thought was aimed at Sonya to say, I'm so much stronger than you now, because they have that kind of banter. Mm. So like, we watched it and we were like, okay, he's got robot arms now. He did this to rescue his partner because he cares about her. Great. Jax is by far the best thing in this movie. Can I, can I get a yes on that? Or is it yeah. just me? Yeah, oh, he's he's probably the best actor. One of one of them. And best character. He knows what he's doing. And he has the best lines. Yeah, he is funny and charming. He's operating at just the right level for this movie. And has good chemistry with the actors around him. Even when they don't deliver anything. <laughs> Yes. And so Jax is also mostly uninformed. He doesn't know what's going on, and his reactions to that are always very good. Yeah. So they get checked down by another one of these robots, this time in yellow. Uh, it's a new yellow model with a voice box in it, and Jax gets his arm stuck in a wall, and Sonya explodes it, and a dragon comes off of its back. From a tattoo it has, which is weird. Except that we can't see the tattoo because it's wearing the robot armor. So it just kind of flies out of a hole in its suit. It's a weird moment. So a dragon flies out of this dude. Yeah, I thought a dra- I thought the dragon was... And it's a tiny dragon. It's like a dragonfly. It's like a seahorse dragon that flies out of this tiny hole in this apparently robot, which then explodes because it's got a bomb in it. The thing that I thought was happening with this is was the thing that happened in the first movie where a lizard goes into a big statue and turns into a ninja. Yeah. I thought that the lizard, the dragon was the robot, but that doesn't, that that later turns out not to be the case. So it's just a different thing we're supposed to treat as a mystery. This also has the worst singular shot I can think of in the movie where Sonya Blade picks up some powder from the ground and very slow motion blows it. Yeah. And her face is like a weird blowy face for like way too, too long in slow motion. That's the other thing that this movie does a lot is there's lots of unmotivated slow-mo shots that don't emphasize anything important. They're just peppered into action sequences. Also, Dutch angles, again. So many Dutch angles. And tons of close-ups for absolutely Tons of close-ups. So at this point in the fight, there was a fight. I want to talk about the bad fight editing. So at this point, it becomes clear that whoever's editing this threw everything in a blender and then just put it back together again. There's 
at least one shot that I can remember, one sequence where I think it's in this fight, a character gets kicked across a room, and from the moment they get kicked and lifted off the ground to when they hit the back wall of the room, there are at least three different discrete angles on the shot from the beginning of the action to the end. (laughs) And they're all unnecessary. You could have just cut from him lifting off the ground to hitting the wall, and it would have read arguably better because it would have been a short action, and then you could have just moved on. But there's just extra shots peppered in that don't add anything to it. And this is indicative of all the fight editing in this movie. It has a really nasty habit of cutting on action to try to hide that there isn't contact being made and then the continuity of action making no sense as a result. And also cuts from close-ups to wider shots where there were multiple characters in the close-up and in the wide shot, there's only one or two. Yeah. It's just bizarre. There's no sense of place for anybody. Everything is very fundamentally not good, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I think I was going to say something more intelligent there, but I'm just not going to. It's just fundamentally structurally bad. On a level that I was surprised by. As far as the previous video game movies are concerned, most of them have at least structurally been okay. They've been put together somewhat competently. Yeah, there's a minimum threshold of movie making competency that basically everything that we've watched so far meets like even double dragon which isn't good at least has the skeleton of a narrative structure to it and something resembling an arc for the characters but annihilation is just it's just nothing it's it's so bad yeah mortal kombat annihilation not the movie annihilation which is excellent yes one of the th- this is another thing that reminds me of Power Rangers because Power Rangers it makes sense that the editing is bad. One, it's on TV, so the budget is nothing. Two, Power Rangers in the West is made up of four or five different Japanese martial arts shows just stitched together and then filmed segments filmed after the fact with American actors to like explain what's going on in like voiceover dubs and stuff. So it's stitched together looking because it is stitched together. It's a quilt of nonsense. This movie they went out and they filmed everything that they had previously decided to film. It was made as a movie and it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. It it feels like three episodes of a TV show stitched together very badly. Anyways, that is uh, that for the Sonya Blade Jacks subplot for a little while. Next is another flashback to the villain cave. Which has a pretty good set, I think. Yeah, the villain cave isn't that bad. Um, yeah, they flash back to the villain cave, and which has, you know, it's a nice throne room. It's dark and gloomy, as, as it should be. And they kind of reintroduce the four-ish villains and um the the emperor just kind of kills a guy who failed him and they you know they're mean to katana and the people are the the villains argue and they're just kind of like we want to be general i want to be general and then that's kind of it they make the they make katana's mom the general who is later revealed to have screaming powers that can kind of level entire canyons. Yeah, she's just a magical scream girl, like Black Canary or something. Also, Shiva and the Horn Centaur guy, whose name I bo- never bothered to learn, have this... Mutaro. Mutaru, okay. Have this antagonistic rivalry thing where they clearly want a bone, but <laughs> also they hate each other. And you think maybe this is going to go somewhere, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't really. Motaro just kind of creepily hits on everybody in the movie, and Shiva, that's probably the most she ever says, is in this scene. Yeah. Then we cut to the Johnny Cage subplot again. Or not the Johnny Cage. Liu Kang. John Cage is dead. Liu Kang's subplot. Uh, Nathan, can you describe this next section? Because wow, we gorgeous. I can describe it pretty succinctly in one word, which is racist. (laughs) Yeah. So, it could be more racist. It could be more racist. This uh, is faint praise. To elaborate, John, uh, Liu Kang is going to the Gobi Desert to find a warrior named Nightwolf because it, I don't think this is ever explained, but I guess he's going there to learn this secret technique that can help him defeat Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn. I just forgot his name. Uh, note here. It doesn't really help him defeat him. No, no, no it doesn't. This does not really pay off at all. Uh, so he goes to this, he finds this camp in the desert, and 
immediately gets attacked by a wolf, but then that turns out that it's not a wolf, it's it's Night Wolf. Okay. The way he gets attacked by the wolf is one of the best bad filmmaking moments in this. Yeah. So you see a jumping wolf, fine intro to being a wolf attack, and then Johnny Cage on the ground. Liu Kang. Liu Kang. Or sorry, Liu Kang. I don't know why I keep calling him Johnny Cage. Liu Kang on the ground, twisting back and forth with the camera in a blurry kind of mode. And it cuts to like three or four different angles of this same Liu Kang twisting on the ground. And he's supposed to be wrestling with the wolf. And he's clearly just fighting the camera off. Operator, yeah. And it's just hilarious looking. Uh, and then it cuts to a human actor with a bad CGI wolf head shrinking down to a human head. And this is Nightwolf, which is a thing from the game where instead of a fatality, if you activate the animality, the fighter will turn into an animal and eviscerate the opponent. All good. Describe Nightwolf. Nightwolf is, um... Lexi, do you want to describe Nightwolf? Yeah, Nightwolf is clearly some kind of Native American. The actor, the actual actor is, I believe his name is Lightfoot. He's Cherokee Mexican, I think. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he's of the Cherokee Nation, though. He's a yeah, member. Yeah, he, he's a member of the Cherokee Nation. I mean, I don't know particularly, like, facial markings, but it just kind of seemed, you know, generically Native American, and we've got a feather in the back and all this face paint and it's he's clearly a character based on coyote which is a uh, pretty like widespread um trickster spirit it depends on the culture but yeah of what exactly coyote does but clearly this is coyote but night wolf and just kind of there to teach him he gets stereotypical in almost every way yeah yeah he hits him with a hatchet to knock him out and then a tomahawk he's got a bloody magic tomahawk yeah the first thing he does to teach him he he spouts some vague things about the animality and that it has to do with like describe his costume he's got like red face paint and a headband with a feather in it he looks like he walked out of peter pan yeah not to disgrace Mm -hmm. first nations gear if that's an actual cultural outfit cool i don't think it is i'm pretty sure it's just based on the video game and lightfoot just didn't care that much which is fine like dude's gotta eat but (laughs) it doesn't look good is what i'm saying and he has a magic tomahawk and his character literally only exists to help the protagonist it is only slightly less bad because this guy isn't white Mm -hmm. he still only exists to give this non-native guy a native vision quest basically literally yeah he spouts some vague stuff about the animality being the fire inside of you that you need to reach down and activate it to overcome your enemies narrowly avoiding the term spirit animal yeah sure (laughs) and then he says that the fastest way to do this is to have dream vision and then he proceeds to throw a magic tomahawk at Liu Kang, knocking him unconscious so that he can have a vision quest. Yep. Which involves a mostly naked Asian woman tempting him. Okay, this, I don't, that's a separate thing. That's not part of the question. That's actually, yeah, that's part of a different. His, his vision quest is just him being really high and having a lot of thoughts about how inadequate he is, mostly. Yeah, they, it's mostly villains yelling at him about how pathetic he is. And then cut, intercut with shots of Nightwolf sitting vaguely behind a fire, talks, trying to counter these thoughts. Then he never shows up again. Yeah, that's about it. Gone when he wakes up. Mostly Liu Kang seems to be responsible for these characters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nightwolf very deliberately uh, says that there are three tests to overcome, and we only see two of them, and the third one is never brought up again. It's like The Last Jedi, man. Yeah. You're not supposed to know. The... Actually, in The Last Jedi, the third test was removed for time reasons. Oh, wow. But, yeah. um... <laughs> In this one, I just don't think there was tests. I just think they didn't care. Just making it up as they go along. So Liu Kang goes through his vision quest, and then suddenly he wakes up in the snow in the Arizona desert. In, a, in the desert. Okay, snow that me and Nathan weren't sure was supposed to be very bad fake snow or ash. Yeah, I thought it was ash for a while too, but then I figured out that it must be snow. Yeah, they mentioned being cold later, so it's snow, but continue. It looks like trash. Yeah, and then uh, this like Asian woman, Nate, who we, is re- later revealed to be Jade, she 
shows up uh, in like a fur blanket and not and like loincloth and chest wrappings and like kind of tries to seduce him and then eventually uh, when he refuses her after after kissing after they've kissed he refuses her and is like my heart belongs to another and then suddenly all of the snow gets wiped away and she is now in a green like ninja suit and tries to beat him up and then he kind of beats her and then she's like I'm the second test we're fine and he's like what this is a test I we could have killed each other and she's like but we're alive and then it turns out at the end of the movie that she was working for bad guys the whole time which was very clear from the beginning but whatever she is so suspicious she is so suspicious this thing also feels pretty racist in that it's doubling down on the sexually submissive Asian woman stereotype and the duplicitous Asian stereotype mm-hmm. yeah, it's at the same time. Wild. The first movie doesn't really have these kind of problems for some reason. They're pretty good at not really overextending the stereotypes. Like, the characters in the first movie are exaggerated in the way that lots of video game characters are, but not to this problematic degree. So yeah, for some reason Liu Kang believes her and decides to go with her to the Temple of the Elder Gods. We don't follow them there though. We switch back to uh, Sonya again? Yeah, unless it was Raiden. Yeah, I guess it's Sonya first. Sonya and Jax wandering through the desert. They're trying to go to the Elder Temple too because that's where they're all meeting up after this I guess. And they're in what's clearly just like a desert but Sonya says it's because nature's dying that there's no trees here. Yeah. We, even though we can see dead bushes. This sequence was filmed in the Jordanian desert. Yeah. There's a bush in the front of this shot. It's a desert. It's yeah. just a It's just a desert. That's just what they look like. And Sonya refuses to tell Jax what's going on, even though he's she's dragging him into clearly dangerous situations. Which is all just an excuse to make Jax kind of wander off grumpily so that she can be alone and get ambushed by some lady wearing a pink outfit this time who screams moments before stabbing her with from ambush and then they fight in the mud for like two minutes and then there's a horrible hideous cgi bone dragon that dies in 10 seconds when jack shows up so there's a several minutes long lady wrestling a mud fight with a character who we have never seen before who does not get a name or any lines and literally just shows up to have a mud wrestling fight with sonya blade a surprisingly unsexy mud wrestling fight yeah they do flips and stuff it's trying to be sexy, I think, but it's not. And I would know. I'm into women. <laughs> I think women that. are hot, but this just didn't do it for me. Yeah, and for some reason, immediately afterwards, a statue turns into a big dragon that Jax just punches so hard that it dies. And gets sucked into the ground. Yep, uh, with Jax with his cool robot arms, which so far have just been useful. Yeah. Uh, at this point, we go. we finally catch up with Raiden. Uh, we are led to believe at this point it's been like three days. I think. Yeah. Oh, uh, roughly. Uh, Raiden is just like T posing outside of the Elder Temple. <laughs> Just like sticking his arms out all Jesus-y. And then he goes in and the elder gods are just like floating piles of different elements. Okay. Yeah, it seems we've got wind, fire, and water. Yeah, there's no earth. Yeah. I, I guess earth was the other guy, which we'll get to later. No, he was wind. Oh, yeah. Well, never mind then. Uh, So they go to the temple or Raiden goes to the temple and asks them why they don't like stop Shao Kahn from breaking the rules and then they're like honestly because we don't care this is for you guys to deal with and would you be willing to die for these flimsy humans which got very like what do you want to give up your immortality for these weak humans and he just it's just kind of a shot of him looking thoughtful and then later we see him without all of his hair and like a very like American just kind of military cut and in totally different clothes he looks kind of like Sting. Yeah. Oh god, he does look like Sting. <laughs> he gets kind of a Sting makeover and uh, a black shirt 
instead of a white shirt, and now he's mortal. And he's got a vest instead of long sleeves. Yeah. yeah. So There's not really any explanation. We don't see this uh, immediately, though. First we get everybody else shows up at the temple, uh, and they almost kill each other, and then they're like, wait, we're friends, it's fine. Uh, Jax kind of creepily hits on Jade. Yeah. Which is the only not good thing he says in the whole movie, but Jade's a bitch, so whatever, I guess. Uh, then there's like, some shots of all of the Shao Kahn armies, and there's just like 3,000 extras. Yeah, they had so many people for this, which is probably where the money went. And they aren't, they're clearly not in the shot. Like, we don't see them in the same place. We just get a lot of different cuts of different armies yeah. moving. It's a series of medium crowd shots of a bunch of people in costumes riding horses and marching in armor. That kind of stuff. And it's all stitched together to make it look like a massive army. They're not very good costumes, by the way. And the four villains show up again and ramble for a bit about, like, killing everybody. Raiden does a backflip into the situation with his new look. Yeah. Uh, and then has some magic dysfunction for a bit and then opens a portal. All moments before the entire temple and everything around them just gets completely exploded by uh, the queen mommy katana scream she just kind of blows everything up all while the main villain's helmet is just like cocked to the side it's not it, it looks so bad because every it's just it's not i don't know it was the i was stuck on that because it's just like who costumed you why why is your helmet like twisted yeah that's a fair point the costumes in this movie are somehow worse than the costumes in the first movie which i thought looked like costume store like cosplay versions but the robots especially i looked at and that's like i've seen better armor done at convention floors than the stuff in that movie yeah with like stuff you can buy at a michael's art supply store at this point uh there is another line dropped this movie also has a habit of dropping lines that sound like they belong on motivational posters yeah so raiden says something about faith in yourself is all you need literally says that with his mouth (laughs) which is apparently the thing that Liu kang needs to learn it's faith in himself which he had at the start of the movie yeah everybody told him that he wasn't ready but he already had the confidence and then they spent the rest of the movie being either saying you're not ready for this or you need to believe in yourself Liu kang because we believe in you actual thing katana says very contradictory gaslighting the shit out of Liu kang in this movie and that actor is trying he is one of the few people in this movie who's like genuinely trying his best do you know why he's still here because when they signed him for the first movie it was for a three-picture deal oh no no. poor baby he's the only one that was signed on for a multi-picture deal because he's the main character wait why is katana there then (sighs) i don't know i don't know maybe she just couldn't get other work signed on for multi i don't know this is the only one that i found for sure because it was originally supposed to be a trilogy and they just never made the third one (laughs) what the third one even be they didn't set it up at all. I watched all the way to the end credits just to make sure there wasn't more teasers. Yeah. But So anyway, this is all apparently part of the villain's plan. They wanted to drive them into Outworld so that they could murder them all there. They off camera take out the queen and like get her onto a bed to reunite her with her daughter. Yes, Jax apparently just knocked her out. At some point in time. Which we don't see. He just, right, Raiden goes off and fights a bunch of goons by himself. And then Jax... Jax and Sonya just walk through a hole in the wall, and Jax is carrying the queen over his shoulder. Which is weird. They they do that a bunch of times, where they have important villains, and then they're not actually important in any way. They just, because they get taken out moments after, or unrelated to all of the goons that they keep fighting poorly. So Raiden, during that fight scene, it's just Raiden and some ninjas tricking. Yeah, that's the one where Raiden is just kind of being there, being cool. Uh, Liu Kang, meanwhile, is going to save Katana from the cage she's been in for the rest of the movie. There is another cut back to her where we see her spit in the guard's face, which is pretty cool, but that's the most she does. Uh, and he fights a goblin with swords that come out of his wrists. And then two more goblins with swords that come out of their wrists. That swing down from the ceilings out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, and after this fight scene, of which lasts a while, they, uh, Shiva, he- the forearm No, wait, woman- before this, he fights these goblins with 
with Cirque du Soleil like chain swinging tricks yeah. and swashbuckling sword play. Very non-kung fu stuff, but also probably some of the best stuff in the movie, so I'll let it pass, I guess. And then, yeah, something interesting threatens to happen when Shiva shows up. And then they drop the cage that Katana was in and onto her. She shows up, jumps into the room saying, you're time for you to die or something, and they crush her, and that's it. That's yeah. her whole role in the movie. She does she's, not get an actual fight scene. Done. She does gets like five lines and she gets squished in like two seconds. That's her whole thing. This movie clearly has way more characters than it knows what to do with. It's such a weird thing to do is to have her there at all. So they go back to Raiden and the crew and the mom pretends for two hot seconds that she's turned good. And then she just evil queens like straight up Disney villain evil queens. And, like, tells her she hates her daughter and all of this other nonsense. And then whips some people with her hair. Which was kind of cool, I guess. Uh, And then Jade is like, yeah, so I'm totally evil, too. Bye. And turns coat and then runs away with the queen. At this point, we are informed by Raiden that actually he's been holding back some pretty important information about this whole situation. Which is that he is the son of an elder god who is also the father of the main villain, Shao Kahn. Kahn, Yeah, Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn. Which means they're brothers and at some point in the past didn't kill his brother even though that was his father's decree that the strongest must be, his successor has to be strong enough to kill their brother and he just kind of refuses to fight him again. So Raiden had some bad family dynamics growing up and left that situation to go hang out and be a hippie on Earth for a while, and we can all get behind that, but wow. Also, Jade gets eaten. Yeah, Jade gets eaten by the, the same, like, CG insect dragon, and that's the end of her. In, like, the next scene. Uh, yep. Uh, at this point, I have the, the the note. Kill your brother, Raiden. Like, come on. <laughs> this is your responsibility. Kill your brother. So, uh, this is, at this point, getting towards the finale of the movie. The Eiffel Tower and the Twin Towers are both in Elseworld, and the worlds are merging, and man, did Spider-Verse do this visual system better. Uh, yeah. But yeah, everybody's have- gathered for the big main fight, and a Apparently it's been six days. Yeah, we get to this final fight and it turns out that it's now an hour before the merging will be complete. All of the stuff that has happened, which isn't really a lot, has taken six entire days. Yep. To happen. Raiden gets himself killed for no reason, and it's portrayed by the film as being endlessly noble because he's mortal now, and that's, like, a cool thing to do, but he could have, like, done literally anything instead of just dying. He, He just goes up to his dad and brother and kneels in front of them says some nonsense about i don't know it's just kind of stop being bad guys yeah and then his father just kind of shoots him with an energy blast and he dies in the arms of his true family which are his you know fighter friends and that's it it's not a sacrifice it's not anything it's just i don't want to kill my brother so i'm gonna let him kill me instead of hanging out in the background while my friends kill my brother to save the world so each of the remaining heroes gets paired off with one of the remaining villains they each have their own oh this was the point at which thor and loki came up in my notes oh yeah (laughs) raiden is a is this irresponsible layabout son of a god an elder god who is in control of thunder and lightning and his mean brother is trying to take over earth with a big portal <laughs> yep, yep and invading armies uh it's it's bad thor and loki i i'm sure that the marvel executives must have been watching this right and just thought there's something here <laughs> anyways yes continue describe the main fight from the start so all the remaining heroes get paired off with one of the remaining villains they have their own separate fights while Liu Kang takes on Shao Kahn, um, and everybody gets straight up wrecked by the villains for a little while until they arbitrarily just start winning, and then... Jax makes a Mr. Ed reference, which is really weird. That's a weird one. It's a Uh, deep cut. I mean, everyone starts doing fine, I guess, except Sonya for some reason, who gets... Damseled. Yeah. Again. By Jax. Has to shout for help, um... Which apparently is, it's portrayed as part of her character arc where, oh, you finally, like she tells Jax, who has finally ripped his robot arms off, you found your confidence again. And he's like, and you finally called for help. 
She was fine. She's needed to be saved like four times in this movie already. This wasn't an issue she had. Uh, Liu Kang is put on the ropes, and so he turns into a dragon. A uh, really shitty looking CG dragon. So bad. And then we get the worst one. He taps into his animality, uh, which turns out to be useless because... Shao Kahn can also turn into an animal. Except this thing is a horrible slug, like oily slug hydra thing that just kind of wrecks him. And they kind of both like lose in this situation. Yeah, this lasts for all of like 10 seconds. They exchange a couple blows and then they get knocked to the ground and turn back into their human forms. It looks about as good as a PS1 era fight scene between two dragons would. Yeah, it's really bad. They're so ugly. They look so bad. And the designs aren't even very good. The Hydra thing is absolutely hideous. Why is it so slimy? It's so slimy looking. Everything about it is just bad proportions. It's all tail except all of these heads, which are really uh, weirdly shaped. And I'm not sure I want to say on radio what they're shaped like. It's very yeah. off-putting. Uh, yeah, there's there's more CGI than in the first movie here, where you only really had reptile as a CGI creation, but it hasn't gotten any better than that. If anything, so it's the, worse. The models yeah. still look terrible, and they move stiffly and badly, and it's just a mess all around. And this is the climax of the movie. This is supposed to be the turning point in the battle between good and evil. And it's just so entirely underwhelming in every possible way. And also completely unimportant plot-wise because it doesn't actually affect the final fight at all. At this point, the Elder Gods show up and are like, for some reason now they care. And they stop Shao Kahn just long enough, or Shao Kahn's dad. So Shao Kahn's dad, who is Shanuk, one of the Elder Gods, is about to kill Liu Kang because uh, it turns out that Shao Kahn is, despite being the son of an Elder God, is now also mortal because that's the punishment for breaking the rules of mortal combat. And he didn't know that. So that happens. And then his dad is like, no worries, I'll just kill him for you. And then the other Elder Gods show up and nerf him (laughs) because they think that the mortals should be able to determine the fate of this battle and then one of them straight up says this needs to be said in the right way in mortal, mortal combat, combat which hits exactly with the theme, theme song yeah it gets overlaid as he says it with also the theme song where it's screaming mortal combat which sounds so weird which might be the best individual moment in this movie <laughs> that needle drop is great so <laughs> Liu kang beats him yeah and then the elder god once once his son has been beaten the Elder God guy, get he suddenly turns into multiple cubes. He's like crushed inside these weird glass, like Minecraft style cubes and gets folded up and disappears forever. Weirdest way to kill your villain. Not set up at all. Just a thing that happens. And then we commence the just putting everything back to normal. No, before that, Shao Kahn turns back into the drag or turns into a different dragon oh, yeah. and melts for no apparent reason. Oh right. Oh yeah, also the tattoos get explained. Apparently <laughs> they're passports to the outworld that allow you to travel through the portals. Um and that's just a thing because the Elder Gods are allowed to bestow those on people. And that's the clue that whoever's behind this is an Elder God. It's not really important. They probably didn't need that at all. It would be interesting planting if we knew before the end of the movie that Raiden had the tattoo, but it isn't, so... Yeah, it it turns out it's Raiden's family crest, and that's why he explains that he's the son of an Elder God to them. It, it seems like without that prompting, he wouldn't have even told them. He seems really cagey about it. I mean, he had a bad family. You don't want to talk about that when you leave home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the Elder Gods unmerge the worlds, and they bring Raiden back to life. And make him and an Elder God. make him an Elder God to replace his dad, and that's that's the movie. That's oh, uh, Katana's it. mom is back, and she's good now. Oh, right, yeah. They also re- I think the whole 
feel is that her like soul isn't united with her body or something like that. I don't know. She's fine now, though. There's some BS explanation about why she's being evil in the first place, but they fix her. And Rain tells everybody to like be good to your new family, which is weird because they spent the whole movie away from each other, except for the like final fight fight scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's it. That's the whole movie. It's a whole lot of nothing. Yep. Yeah, it's not even a whole lot of nothing in a nice shell. It doesn't even look good. It's possibly one of the worst edited movies I've ever seen, actually. Yeah, I mean, this this is just grade A trash in the purest possible form. This is This is arguably on the same level as something as incompetent as The Room. Ooh. I would say that's fair. It's very genre different, but it's very similar in quality. It's the same kind of ambition outweighing the capabilities and talent of the people making it. This feels a lot more cash grabby. <laughs> it does. It does. I mean, it, it, that may just be because it's a big franchise film. I would, however, recommend this more as a have a drink or two with your friends and sit and watch a bad movie night than The Room as you're just introducing your friends to the concept of a bad movie night. Because The Room's a really hard one to go in on. Oh, yeah. There's way too many sex scenes. Start with this. There's no sex scenes in this. Thank Christ. Oh, my God. I don't even know what that would look like. It would probably look like Jade shoving Liu Kang's face into her boobs. (laughs) Uh, we, came, we came dangerously close to that one. That's probably in the extended cut. Uh, as far as I'm aware, there is no extended cut of this movie, thankfully. Good. It's a trim 95 minutes, and it's still too long. <laughs> Luckily, every time we paused the movie to like go to the washroom or something, it was like a whole half hour later, and we were very relieved to learn that it wasn't going by slowly. Yeah. The first time we paused the movie, it was 28 minutes in, and it shocked me how much had already happened this movie does clip by at a very quick pace or how little actually happens in it so lexi uh any final thoughts about mortal kombat annihilation not really like i was i was wondering if we wanted to give our rankings on it or if we even if this movie even deserves a ranking i feel like it deserves a spot on the list i'm gonna i'm gonna suggest to the court of bad movies here that this is the worst one we've seen yeah uh this does have an entry in the bad movie bible (laughs) oh wow we have the bad movie bible for those who are wondering it's a great piece of literature if anyone likes watching bad movies it has provided us with many hours of entertainment already. So yeah, Nathan, did you find anything else very interesting in production that you wanted to tell us? Or I mean, aside from the casting stuff, I couldn't actually find that much about this movie. The directors and producers... I found some interview stuff with them where they talked a lot about how they wanted to make this a bigger and better experience than the first movie. Uh. And that it was all about self-empowerment, which is not what the movie succeeded at being. And it's also, bigger. I mean, it is bigger. It is infinitely worse. Yeah. Uh, it, n- there wasn't really that much interesting aside from the casting stuff where basically all the actors from the first movie were finding excuses to not return. One great detail, though, is that John Tobias and Ed Boon are the two co-creators of the game franchise, and they are story writers and producers on the movies. They each independently, in interviews, identified Annihilation as the lowest point in their (laughs) careers working on the Mortal Kombat franchise, like as a whole, games and movies and everything. Well, there you have it, folks. The lowest point in the careers of the creators of Mortal Kombat, a game franchise that was consistently attacked by the news media for decades and has had a wild swing in quality over the years. It's like when George Lucas said the only thing that he apologizes for is the Star Wars Christmas special. It's like that level of admitting you made a bad thing. Hey, but the Star Wars Christmas special is way better than this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, this movie doesn't have a very long section that is an instruction vo- instructional video or any Wookiee porn, but it does have... I don't know what it has, I'm sorry. It doesn't do anything. Got dick dragons. 
Doesn't do much, I'll tell you that much. Uh, it does try to have, I think, the themes of found family and self-empowerment and confidence in oneself, but yeah. none of the characters are set up in a way where it makes sense. Liu Kang has confidence in himself, is told not to, and then told that he has to. Uh, Jax doesn't seem to have gotten the robot arms because he's not confident in himself, but because he was worried about his partner who had gone missing for an undetermined amount of time and was trying to go save her with the best tools available to him which is not a self-confidence thing that's a that's a just a reasonable kind of heroic thing to do it's not his fault the world ended before he could go yeah <laughs> yeah yeah katana doesn't get an arc because of course she doesn't and sonya also kind of doesn't get an arc she's supposed to be sad because johnny cage is well, dead uh, and not want to trust anybody again yeah, i guess her, her whole thing is that she doesn't trust anybody and then at the end i guess we're supposed to believe that she learns to trust jacks again but she like goes to get him from the facility and works with him the whole time yeah she just complains about it a little bit. Yeah, but not enough that I noticed. It's more of a like fun partnery banter thing. Like they rib each other all the time when they're on missions, which is the sense you get. They have pretty good chemistry, actually. She acts. Her this actress did Sonya Sonya Blade way better than the first movies, though. Yes, that is true. This actress is trying a lot harder. Her fight scenes are worse because she's not doing her own stunts clearly, or if she is, they're just not making contact. But it doesn't matter. This movie's bad. Yep. All right. Uh, arbitrary ranking time lexi your go i don't even think it deserves a ranking that's my ranking okay it loses out on the tournament of rankings from alexi uh nate boy uh in a fight between sub-zero and scorpion wait which sub-zero uh new sub-zero okay and scorpion i give this a smoke getting exploded by a chest rocket okay uh I give this all of the main cast left because it was that bad out of 10. <laughs> yep. This this has been our look at Mortal Kombat Annihilation, the first video game movie sequel. I don't know how many of these we're going to cover, but it's been a time. I mean, we haven't gotten to the Resident Evil franchise yet. Looking forward to it. Oh, also, Paul W.S. Anderson apparently regrets not going back to the second movie because he wished he could have been there to shepherd it so that it wouldn't have gone so far off the rails. Wow. It probably would have been better. Probably would have. He seems to at least have a handle on, you know, writing a coherent story, even if they're not always good. That's my actual ranking. This movie would have been better if Paul W.S. Anderson <laughs> had directed it out of 10, I guess. And with that, I think we're pretty much done. So, Lexi, where can we find you at? You can find me at Conwell underscore Alex on Twitter. Find me at Bert Nerdtram on Twitter. You can find me at Kenzie Phoenix on Twitter, and you can find the podcast at VGDM on Twitter, at VGDM Podcast. Yes. Uh, we will be back next time with the next movie on the chronological list. And we'd like to thank you for stopping by today for this train wreck. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go defend Earthrealm from the invasion by Outworld. Yeah.